Good afternoon. Today it's a, a new interview of Lincoln Line. And we have a very special uh, guest today. It's uh, Tan Guyen from Boston. She's the director of uh, interventional neurology at the Boston Medical Center. And he also a teacher and a professor of the of neurology, neurosurgery, and radiology at the Boston University School of Medicine. So Tan, good morning or good afternoon. It's at one o'clock here in Chile and in Boston, it's the same hour. And today we're going to talk about a recent publication that you did uh, last year and it was published in November uh, 2021 at JAMA Neurology. And the title is very interesting. It's, it's called Non-Complex Computer Tomography versus Computer Tomography Perfusion or Magnetic Resonance Imaging Selection in Late Presentation of Stroke with Large Vessel Occlusion. So welcome, Tan. Thank welcome you, here. Rodrigo. Thank you very much to the Link community for having me today. It's a, it's a great pleasure. So please, Tan, tell us, can you tell us a, a little bit about the, the, what was about the, the, the study and the CLEAR study? Sure. So the, the premise uh, leading into the CLEAR or CT for late endovascular reperfusion study was pivoted off of the Dawn and Diffuse 3 trials. As you know, in 2018, these were landmark groundbreaking trials that gave us the evidence to perform thrombectomy in the late window, albeit the criteria in which patients were chosen into those trials were based on advanced imaging with CTP or MRI. And so naturally, many of the guidelines adopted the criteria by which the patients were selected into Don and Diffuse 3. And so you can see the translation almost verbatim that you know, some guidelines say advanced imaging is necessary. And so even when my, in my own practice, there were times when I've been said, you should get advanced imaging before you take your patient to the angiosuite. So that really motivated us to think about other ways outside the box, because we understand that advanced imaging may not always be available or readily available. And so um, we performed this multi-center study across uh, five nations and uh, encompassing 15 centers and um, 1,500 patients finally in the complete case analysis. And we uh, tried to compare whether there were any differences for patients who were presenting in the late window, six to 24 hours from symptom onset with large vessel occlusion of the ICA terminus M1, M2 occlusions, um, largely mirroring the Dawn and Diffuse 3 criteria, except we had the M2 occlusions and we had the, the pre-baseline uh, MRS of two patients. And so we were comparing to see, are there any differences in outcomes, um, whether it be good clinical outcome at 90 days versus symptomatic hemorrhage or mortality between patients who are selected with advanced imaging, i.e. CTP or MRI, compared to non-contrast alone head CT. And so what we found was that um, uh, initially, when I saw the crude data unadjusted, without any adjustment, I was a little bit depressed because the CTP group actually looked really good. But then fortunately, after we did the adjustments, we adjusted for location of occlusion, we adjusted for transfers and the NI stroke scale and the age. Um, luckily, after the adjustments, everything worked out quite nicely with what we had initially intended was thinking that there would be no difference between the three groups of um, looking at their, their uh, ordinal shift on the MRS scale at 90 days. So, so what was, that, that's very amazing results. So, so, so congratulations, bro, because you have very amazing results. So what was the criteria of choosing the different modalities of study? It was, 
it was dependent of the, of the, the center, of the, the physician? What was the criteria? Yeah, excellent question. Um, very relevant, also asked by a reviewer when we were going through this rite of passage. So um, as there were 15 centers, the selection criteria varied um, according to each center. And so we actually have uh, it in our supplement of the, the paper, the selection by which people were chosen to go into thrombectomy. And if they were choosing it based on non-contrast CT, for the most part, centers were choosing it based on the ASPECT score, the Alberta Stroke Program Early CT score. And there's actually a nice paper from our Heidelberg colleagues, uh, Dr. Simon Nagel, who, um, Nagel, who um, wrote this in the JNIS publication very early after Dawn and Diffuse came out looking at ASPECT-based scoring to predict outcomes and, and show that it was quite equivalent. And so many centers were adopting this early on. And um, there were reasons that people could not get advanced imaging. For example, if you have a pacemaker, you can't get, um, you can't get an MRI. Um, or if you have contrast issues, you, you might go straight to CT. And what we noticed was that in the baseline characteristics, patients who were transfers tended to have more CT. Patients who were getting IV thrombolytics were getting more MRI because of the wake-up studies. They were using that to help select patients for, for um, intravenous thrombolysis. And also um, patients who had distal occlusions, M2 occlusions, tended to have more CTP, a very interesting phenomenon considering how people were selecting based on not only um, the status of the patient, but also based on the location of occlusion to get more information to see if they should perform the thrombectomy or not. So for the most part, most centers were going by a non-contrast CT aspect score. And then there were some centers that did not specify how they did it, it was at the discretion of the teams. And there's, was there any automatic uh, re reading of the, of the aspects or was it just a, a, a visual normal uh, evaluation of the aspect? Or... Great question. We, we did not ask that specifically if it was an automated reading. Most of these centers are, are very experienced centers with experienced physicians who are triaging. So my suspicion is that the physicians were looking directly at the CAT scans or the CTP or MRI to make their own interpretation. And many of these centers also had uh, probably automated imaging to help with the advanced imaging processing. So, so I'm sure that certainly colored into the processing of how they chose patients to thrombectomy. So, so when, when with this result, this result, how how this affect your your normal workflow at, at your center or, or, or centers question. that you know? Um, it, it reinforces what we have been doing um, even before this paper came out. We we were very strong on using non-contrast CT only, um, and then obviously we work with our stroke colleagues. And if there were stroke colleagues who felt strongly about CT perfusion or MRI, then we would acquiesce. And hopefully with this, um, that we would change the tides a little bit to being more streamlined to going only with non-con CT imaging uh, straight to angio as opposed to taking another step, especially in the transfer to doing a CTP or MRI before you decide whether you pay, take a patient to angio or not. So you also demonstrated in your, in your study that the patients that went only with a non-contrast CT were faster to door, door to puncture times were lower than the, than the other ones. Is, was that relevant? Yes, a great question. Um, so we did a separate analysis about this only for patients who presented to the mothership, meaning to the comprehensive stroke center, because if we combine it with the transfers, it would be complicated because some patients go straight to angio. So that would obscure the door to imaging or door to puncture times. So among the patients who presented directly to the mothership, to the endovascular performing center, 
we noticed on average um, there were 600 patients who had the, the data for the times with the door and the puncture, and the times were quicker for patients selected by CT, about 75 minutes or so compared to CTP MRI, an hour and a half. So the time was shorter by 20 minutes. And that's very interesting because even in this age of automated, automatic processing and, and fast MRI, people interpret how fast they do scans and we're doing a survey and you've participated in the survey on this. And the people estimate you know, it takes maybe five minutes to do CTP or MRI in many centers, especially high-performance centers in, in Europe. And so, um, and to see this uh, discrepancy um, is kind of interesting. You know, what you think versus what you measure can be potentially a different number. When you, when you, you see the, 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 the data of the, of the don't trial and, and, and they, they, have, they have had very specific criteria of, of perfusion and, and mismatch and, and what happened with, with you didn't have a, a lower threshold of, of aspect in, in, your, in, your, in your study. And, and, but, but although that, the, your, your, the median of, of aspect value was eight, so it was not too low, it was more, more than seven to, to nine, that it was the danger quantile rate of, of, of the, that result. That was good, but what, what happened with that? You, you, you tended to select uh, better patients or, Yes, uh, excellent, excellent question. And, and it's uh, very important to emphasize what the baseline CAT scans going into these uh, patients look like. And as you mentioned, the median aspects across the board, whether it was CT, CTP, or MRI, was eight. And so these are patients meaning with very good looking CAT scans with very little infarct um, apparent on the non-con CT, which probably gives the physician comfort to say, okay, CAT scan looks good. I'm going to take them to the angio suite with say just a CAT scan, or if they were selecting with advanced, they had a good looking uh, aspect scores. And so that's very important in the decision-making because obviously if we had patients going in with lower aspects, it could have been a very different story. So for the most part, what we can say is with the interquartile range, meaning 25 to 75% of patients falling in within aspects, I think of seven to nine, uh, aspects of seven or above, you could potentially think this is a reasonable patient to take to a thrombectomy based on non-contrast CT alone. And obviously we're not telling people to change your workflow. We're just saying this is an alternative to not having anything at all because there are centrists in Central America, in uh, Southern Europe, where there's no access to advanced imaging, in which case this could be a very interesting alternative to triaging your patient for treatment. Well, what do you think that, that is gonna be more impact of these results? It's, it's gonna be in lower or middle income countries so that have difficult access to, to, to more complex imaging? Yeah, it's, it's an excellent question. I think the, the greatest impact that we've received feedback from after we published a study is from Central America and South America. Um, we didn't realize that there are places in Central America that shut down late thrombectomy offerings after hours, after 5 p.m. because the advanced imaging wasn't available. And so I've been able to converse with several colleagues in Honduras, Ecuador, who said that you know now that they have some evidence to say that it's not unreasonable to pursue, that they can open these doors for the late window patients based on non-contrast CT only. And some centers don't even have CTP at all. Many centers in the UK actually do not have a CTP or MRI readily available. So we'll see what the UK does, but I think in Central America, 
South America, I think these are pockets where the axis could be of interest. And also in Africa, um, if there is thrombectomy, we, we have centers popping up in Ethiopia from Dr. Tekle. I think this is where we could see potential application of a simple, you know, older me uh, methodology to triage your patient to thrombectomy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that, that's, uh, that's a key point. So, so do you think that now we are in the, in the moment that this is going to be, must be proved in, in a randomized trial? There are two randomized trials that are going on, the Mr. Clean and, and the, and the, and the uh, resilient Brazilian trial. They're also going in, in this way. It's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Um, thank you for bringing that up. There's no way this will ever get us level one data. And even there are many skeptics, um, even after this paper has come out saying, well, we don't trust you know, this is how can we take patients with CT to open a floodgate? And so, so we recognize that, and uh, we're not here to say you have to do CT, we should do, do what works for you. Um, but uh, to get level one, I think to get people to, to be more comfortable, you need to show that CT versus medical management or CT versus CTP non-inferior or RCT um, is reasonable. And so because Mr. Clean Late has probably already finished enrollment, they're comparing CT versus medical management and, and huge compliments to the Netherlands or our colleagues in the Netherlands who are conducting the study, very difficult to conduct in the post-dawn and diffuse age where you have CTP um, you know, data saying that if you have CTP, then, then you can treat the patient. But obviously they have centers in the Netherlands where CTP is not available. So it's not a question that they can randomize these patients. And so uh, a big compliment to our, our Netherlands colleagues who are trying to prove this. Um, they're also using CTA collaterals as part of their assessment. So that's another important component of how they are selecting patients. And so it, we, all, we wait um, you know, very eagerly for their results to see if we can escalate um, the strength of our recommendation to use non-con CT because that now we're at the best at, at level two recommendation. And so um, to get to level one, we would need Mr. Cleanlate and the resilient trial that Dr. Martins is leading. How many, how many normally in your practice at your center, how many, how many the percentage of, of patients treated in the, the late window, how, how much are they? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, it's been published and uh, we estimate it's at least 30% um, in the get with the guidelines. It's this nationwide cohort, at least 30%, a third of your patient's population is, is late window. And if you think about it, it's a six to 24 hour window. So that would encompass a potential majority of your LVO population. So, so the advantage, it, it, it seems that the advantage of the CT is that the, the, the longer you wait or the more hours that it pass, it gets better. It, it gets more sensitive and more specifically. Yes. Is that, is that what's going on? Also? Yes, it's an excellent point. Um, so our friend Raul Noguera has this very nice quote, you know, CT is like a, a red wine. It, it just gets better <laughs> in time, right? So I, it's a quote I borrow from him from the SBIN meeting. And so, and so um, yes, um, as the time progresses, CT actually becomes a better friend to you, um, telling you how much infarct there is. And so if you see it, then you may not need very much more um, additional imaging to tell you the patient is or is not a candidate for thrombectomy. In the early window, we already have data saying that CT is enough. And now in the late window, it, it may even be even a, a better friend to you um, in terms of your, your complement to making decisions for thrombectomy because the sensitivity improves in the late window. And also if you had any doubts, you could use CTA collaterals to help make your point. 
And also, if you have any doubt, you can also look at um, uh, the, the uh, large core thrombectomy trials, meaning the Japan Rescue just came out with the large core thrombectomy data, um, albeit this is in the this is in a, a MRI selected group, but if you have an aspects of three to five, they were able to prove that with uh, uh, intervention, you could have better outcomes in patients with low aspects compared to medical management with thrombectomy. And so that being said, what I'm trying to say is that if you had any doubts on your interpretation of your CAT scan, you might be reassured that even in large core, if you erred on saying, okay, it's an aspects of six or a five, I'm not sure, but we already have some data that aspects three to five may be beneficial for patients um, in this uh, Japan rescue study. And also um, I'm going to emphasize that in the Baochi, Baochu trial, the, the posterior circulation basilar artery occlusion trial, they're using PC aspects, so posterior circulation aspects. And that's notorious, meaning that uh, looking at CT scan for the posterior fossa is notorious for being insensitive. And so the, our Chinese colleagues were able to use you know, in two thirds of the cases, as Dr. Joven presented at last week in Lyon, in two thirds of the cases, they were selecting based on PC aspects with CAT scan in six to 24 hour window. And so if you can do that in the, the posterior circulation, you could probably triage in the anterior circulation just as well. So these are kind of layers that might reassure you that a decision based on non-con CT may be enough. So this is also in the, in the, in the, in the way that in, in, in the, making the point that let's image less than more. It's, uh, that, that's that's one right. of the things that we might, to your job is always saying that or uh, mm -hmm. Raul also, yeah. let's, let's image less and do more. Yes. I mean, they, they do admit when I asked them about, you know, the design, how did you use this advanced imaging? What were you thinking? And, and they do admit that um, the reason they, they had the advanced imaging was because they thought centers would not randomize patients without this because they thought, are you crazy? This is like a late window. You're going to randomize patients without advanced imaging. How could we do this? So they thought that to make the trial succeed or to make it just pass through the barriers that it was necessary to have this. And so now that they've shown such wonderful results with a number needed to treat of three, um, they realized that they overshot their target. They were too good at picking out their targets. And so that's why we think that we can potentially open the door with just a non-contrast head CT in the selection of these patients. I, I find I will understand. It, the patient that you have an M2 occlusion, you said that there were more that there were CT perfusion. They were studying more with CT perfusion. Is that okay? Great question. So what we observed in our cohort was among the patients, you know, with baseline occlusions between ICA terminus to M2, that more patients with M2 occlusions were being selected by CT perfusion, which is a very interesting phenomenon, suggesting that the more distal occlusion, um, the more the physician is interested in getting more information, should I treat the patient or not? Because you want to know if there's a potential mismatch um, because you, you want to be sure of your target. So obviously there are many distal trials that are ongoing, some of which have the advanced imaging criteria to make sure they capture the right patient. And so there is always an application that is of interest for advanced imaging because you want to know if you have a penumbra or not. And sometimes it can be difficult. You have some infarct or not total infarct. You don't know if, if you're going to do additional benefit to the patient by offering thrombectomy. And the other scenario in which advanced imaging, I think, is also potentially interesting is potentially for the large core. So if you have a large core infarct, you know, how much more can you save 
on top of that large core. And that's the question that remains to be answered with ongoing trials such as SELECT2, um, which is using advanced imaging to further define their population. Do you think that sometimes the CT perfusion, it's, it's, a, it's a good tool for, for looking where is the occlusion? Because sometimes in M2 or M3 occlusion, it's difficult to see in a, in a CTA. And, and then you go to, you see a, a big uh, conus or a big uh, uh, loss of, of, of perfusion in some place. And you will, well, you go there and, and see that there's an M2 and 3 occlusion. That's a, fantastic, that? yeah, that's a fantastic question, Rodrigo. You're working backwards, right? So you should look at the CTA to look for the occlusion first before you look at that wedge. The wedge yeah. will come up so easy. And so, but if you actually look back at the CTA, my, my partner is a diagnostic neuroradiologist and interventional neuroradiologist, Mohammed, and, and he helped me find these distal occlusions. And they're not easy. I, I, I share that with you. But if you follow the tree, you can see that in more than what he'll say, 99% of the time, you can find these M3, M2 occlusions. The toughest ones are the ones at the branch points, right? Because they're flush with the branch and you just don't see it. In which case, if you still have that high index of suspicion, you can always take them to the angio suite. But um, we think that in more than 99% of the time, and maybe that's too ambitious, that we think that we can detect these distal occlusions um, it's not for everybody because obviously we've seen primary stroke centers where they're missing the, even the M1 occlusions. And so, you know, luckily the centers call us. So we were backup support to look at this. So obviously it takes a lot of practice and training to find these occlusions. Just, you know, what we say is try to look at every scan and, and just get used to normal versus not normal. And, and then finding these occlusions, look at your 3D, look at the different MIPS, sagittal, coronal, um, axial, so that you can use corroborative data to really ensure that you you do or you do not have an occlusion. But certainly, if you have a CTP, it helps you immediately look back, but the order should be look forward. So, so it's interesting. And it, you know, if you want to find more, you can potentially find more with the CTP, but honestly, you should be able to find that just by your CTA. And that's how, you know, if I had a trainee, I would train them to look at the CTA first, and then you can cross-check with your CTP and see if you're right or not. That's good. That's a good teach. Tan, what do you think? Of the, uh, uh, where you're the limitation of the study? Sure. So there's um, obviously selection bias uh, as uh, inherent to any retrospective study. Um, how patients were selected is heterogeneous. Um, we don't know about the patients that were selected out that we did not treat. So we don't have that reported in the study uh, yet. And um, also the the way in which images were processed at each center, it's all different. But overall, as a cohort, I mean, with the, the strength in the numbers, um, we still saw the same message. And so um, hopefully with the randomized trials, with this prospective data, we'll have better data to support or refute whether um, advanced imaging is really necessary. Um, another critique of our study was uh, a reviewer said, where's your collaterals? And um, so we went back and asked the centers and out of 15 centers, only three use collateral scoring in their adjudication um, of uh, these patients. And so again, it's, it's a minority of centers that are using it and um, across this cohort and across the world, we don't know. But um, obviously a lot of information can be gleaned just based on your non-con CT. Collaterals are additional information. So 
if, if you're in this binary decision mode like me, you know, we just switch on and switch off. Okay, brain looks good, I'm going. And the collaterals is secondary. So, so if you find that it helps support your decision-making, by all means, it's, we support it. And um, we think the value of it comes mostly in the transfer patients, meaning patients who are coming from an outside hospital, you expect some delays in the transfer. And um, if they have good collaterals, it helps you feel positive or optimistic that you still have a good looking brain by the time they come to you at your endovascular center. So, so the, the transfer patient, are you re-imaging the patients when they arrive to your center? It's an excellent, excellent question. Um, it's, it's heterogeneous. Uh, so in the early time window, we tend not to because we think that 80% of patients would qualify for thrombectomy in the early window based on a nice paper by Dr. Moken um, when he was at Buffalo. And so, um, so we're very aggressive in the early window because we think they would qualify with 80% probability. In the late window, um, some, some of our colleagues think there's a magical two hour rule that after two hours, you might see some decay in your CT scan, meaning more infarct occurring between the time when they had their primary stroke center versus comprehensive stroke center. So it's, it's a case by case basis. And inevitably the time ticks and you're beyond two hours. And you know, the question is, do you, it's a trade-off. Do you go ahead and take more time to image in which case many patients will convert to no thrombectomy or do you take a chance and, and go th do the thrombectomy, save the, the half hour of additional imaging and, and you know, take your chances on, do I have a good outcome or a bad outcome? And so these are all questions that are raced through our mind as we have these patients transferring in and out. So what do you do, Rodrigo? What do we do? Yeah, back at well, you. We, we, if, if the patients, uh, it's, a, it's a long uh, transfer from to our center, we, we, we re-image the patient. We are you Sorry? You have a certain um, time frame that you, you judge that you would repeat imaging? Normally two hours. Two hours of yeah. last, we, we do a rematch in, in, in more late patients that's going to be more than six hours in, in, in the six hour window. Very interesting. Otherwise, we, 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 oh, we do the, we use the, the primary image unless there's a deterioration or something in, in, happen in the, in, the, in the way to the to our center. So Tan, thank you. Do, do you want to make a final uh, message to, to the audience about the, the, this work? Yeah, um, thank you, Rodrigo. Thank you for the opportunity to the LINK community to, to be here. I, I think that the take home message is if you have uh, comfort with the advanced imaging, this is not a paper to say you should convert. This is mostly a paper to target if you don't have that easy access to advanced imaging, or if you think there could be additional delays because you have to screen for a pacemaker or, or metal for the MRI, or you have to screen for the contrast allergy for additional CTP, then this may be an interesting pathway to consider for your patient with large suspect, large vessel occlusion in the late window with non-contrast CT only. And also in areas of um, middle or low income countries where access to advanced imaging is, is really not readily available, we think this could be an important tool or interesting tool for you as you make decisions and advocate for the presence of thrombectomy in your center on hours and after hours um, to make patients uh, have access to thrombectomy at all times. Thank you very much, Dan. It was a pleasure and, and an honor to talk to you about this paper and thank you very much. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Rodrigo. Really appreciate it.